welcome to a pastor, a friend, a brother, and a lovely bloke, Steph Liston. Thanks, Avery. Hello, New Day. Who's ordered my book? (laughs) Ah, it's good to be here. You know, the things that we're seeing, these miracles, I hope you you understand, I hope you understand what you're seeing. This is impossible. You are being, you are, the things you've seen in terms of healings these last couple of evenings, 99.5% of people on the planet never ever witnessed that in their whole lifetime. It's absolutely extraordinary and impossible and wonderful and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And tonight I'm going to speak about the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do extraordinary things among us tonight. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to move in power in this tent tonight. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do things that only He can do. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to touch many, many lives, many, many hearts, many, many minds. I want to teach you for a a little while about the Holy Spirit so you've got some content, you've got some truth inside you. The Bible says that faith comes when you hear the word of Christ. I'm going to preach the word of Christ to you. Faith will come as a result of that, leaving us wide open to freshly experience the power of the Holy Spirit. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Let's pray together. Lord, we commit this time to you. We just declare that you are Lord in this place. You are Lord in this place. We submit this time to you. Thank you for what you have already begun this evening. Thank you for the many hearts you are already touching and melting this evening. Thank you for the extraordinary things you are already doing. We love you. We honor you. We welcome you. We bless you. We give you the highest place. We say, Lord, have your way among us. Touch our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Do things among us, Lord, that only you can do, we pray. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Even people that don't believe in Jesus would readily admit that Jesus Christ is the most extraordinary person to have ever lived. Even those who would say they're not believers understand that it is historically proven that he existed and not only that but he has had the biggest impact on human history more so than any other person that has ever lived. There's some things I want to say about Jesus firstly just to help you understand why he is so extraordinary. The first thing is this, he is the first and only person to ever choose to be born. You and me we just turn up right (laughs) and then we have to sort of make the best of it. Jesus chose to be born. Number one, that is an extraordinary thing. That makes him unique before he's even done anything. But here's the deal with Jesus. The things that are surprising is this, is that he never ever wrote a book. He never moved beyond an area bigger than the country of Wales. He was only in the public eye for three years. And he has had more impact on world history than any other person that has ever lived. Whether or not you believe in Jesus, whether or not you follow Jesus, that ought to make you stop and think, what is it about this man? What's his secret? What is the secret to this kind of influence? Well, the Bible tells us the secret. It's an open secret. 
The Bible tells us this, that actually the whole motivation for Jesus' life was this, summed up in the book of Hebrews, I've come to do your will, O God. That's it. I have come to do your will, O God. The key to Jesus' extraordinary life is his obedience. Now, obedience, actually, for many of us, is probably a dirty word. It's not the kind of word you think, I really want to be obedient. I mean, how many, how many times when you talk to young people, you say, what, is your, what are your aims in life? I really want to be obedient. I mean, very often, you know, young people are known for the opposite of that. And yet the whole reason for his existence is, I have come to do your will, O God. I have come. And now here's the other thing, you see. Here's the other thing. The Bible is clear that Jesus shows what it means to be fully human. You want to know what it is to be fully human? I mean, and look what a beautiful life. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. There's not an ounce of hypocrisy in him. He's true, but he's gracious. He's strong, but he's kind. He's everything you could want someone to be. He is the perfect human. And yet he is marked by what? Obedience. Obedience to the Father's will. That shows us what true humanity is. I want to talk for a moment about the obedience of Jesus and the power of it. Because you see, the Bible says that Jesus came to start a brand new humanity. Jesus came into the world to rescue humans out of the trouble we've got ourselves in from our disobedience. The Bible says we are where we are because of our disobedience. All the kind of fears and guilt and shame and struggles that we all have, that we all face, you can root it all back to disobedience. First and foremost, Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden. We've got disobedient parents. But we've got a family way. We ourselves also, we want to do our own thing. We want to do it our way. We're disobedient. We don't want to submit to God's will. We're worried that he'll ruin our lives. We're, we're worried that somehow he'll, he'll take all the fun out. We want to do our thing. We want to work it out. We want to be the captain of our own destiny. Disobedience. And where it leads to is brokenness. Where it leads to is sadness. Where it leads to is shame. Where it leads to is guilt. Where it leads to is all the bad stuff we see on the news we've got ourselves in a bit of a pickle so Jesus comes in as the head of a new humanity and he's looking to pull people out of this broken humanity and bring them into himself that he might have a people who can populate with him a brand new heavens and a brand new earth in the future and so Jesus breaks into the scene and Jesus keeps talking about obedience you can't get away from Jesus talking about obedience He says really radical things about it. I want to tell you some things Jesus says about obedience. In the Gospel of Matthew, listen to what he says. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you hear that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Who then? Those who do the will of of my Father in heaven. Those who, like me, do the will, not me, Jesus, do the will of my Father in heaven. He goes on and he says this, he says, on that day, talking about the last day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? I'll declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen to this one in the Gospel of Luke. This is powerful stuff. I want to just I want to let the, the real Jesus out through the Bible to, to run free and, and see what he does in our hearts as a result. Listen to this story here. As Jesus was teaching, 
Luke chapter 11, verse 27. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Boom. (laughs) How would you feel in that situation? I was just trying to be nice, Jesus. (laughs) I was just being nice, you know. And every now and then, Jesus comes in and it's kind of like, it feels a bit like he spoils the party. Every now and then. Because someone says something and it, what it does is it lines up such an important point that he wants to make that he goes boom. And probably everyone in the room goes, goes a bit quiet. Listen to another one. Matthew chapter 12 verse 46. This one's like, it's getting really controversial now. While Jesus was speaking to the people, behold his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You hear that? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven, they're related to me. We're in the family. They're in, they're in, they're in this new humanity. Those who do the will of my Father in heaven, those who obey. Those who obey. He goes on, Gospel of John. I'm sure you're getting the point, but we'll do a few more. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 16. Listen to this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you hear that? Not you will keep my suggestions. You will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. If you, keep my, if you love me, you keep my commandments. He goes on, chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Goes on. Same chapter, verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. All these wonderful promises that we love. But Jesus is pushing home a point big time. He's saying, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you love me. Now here's the deal, you see. Anyone ever heard of love languages? Love languages is this idea that every one of us kind of feels loved in slightly different ways, right? So typically there's five love languages. There's, um, there's service, like if you, you know, some people feel loved and people really l- l- um, do them a favor, like look out for them. Maybe like they're in a bit of a tight spot. I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking on top of my feet here. They're in a bit of a tight spot. They need someone to um, help them out with, maybe they've run out of a bit of, um, I don't know, they've run out of time. They can't get enough things done. And so they call on a friend and their friend says, yeah, I, I'll step in, I'll help you practically. And it really makes that person feel loved. Some people, service really makes them feel loved. Other people, it's touch. It's all about the massage or the back scratch or the little bit of physical affection and they feel loved. Other people, it's time. Bit of quality time. Just a just bit of quality time, no distractions, no rush, close the door. Oh, this time, I'm feeling so valued and loved by you because of this time you're giving me. Another one's gifts. Get a present and you go, ah, oh, brings you to life. You think, wow, I feel so loved by this gift. It really touches your heart. Other people, it's words. 
This is why I say, hey, you did a great job there. Whoa. Now we're all a mix. All have, have different ones in different order. You know, what, you know what I'm saying. And I think maybe the Bible teaches us that God's love language to us is, is grace. Is grace. That, he, that even though we are so broken, and even though we're so flawed, and we're all aware, aren't we? We've got weaknesses. There's things about us we think, oh my goodness. Things we're ashamed of. Things we do wrong. Even dark things. Evil motives lurking in our hearts. All in all of this, God still comes after us in love. That's called the grace of God. And when we realise that, when our heart really realises that, and, it's, and you've got to understand this, it's not like, it's not like God still loves us because he's like that. You know, we're, we're sinful, but God still loves us because oh, he's just like that. He's, he, that's what he's like. He's just like that. No, 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 no. The love that he loves us with is a furious love. It's a, it's a pursuing love. It's a transforming, intentional, deliberate, sacrificial love. It's not just like, oh yeah, well, I'm like that. And you know what? I'm, God's, God's cool. God just loves everyone. No, it's not like that. It's a burning, intentional, I know you by name. And I'm going to seek you out even though you're running away from me kind of love. That's the grace of God. And when we realize that by the Holy Spirit, we go, oh my goodness, he really loves. When we get, when the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to that, we go, oh my goodness, we know God loves us. But here's my question. What's our love language to God? I want to put it to you. It's obedience. It's obedience. You see, I'm a parent. And the, good, the, the, the thing I've realized being a parent for a few years now is that you value it when your children obey you. Not, not just because it's kind of practical and it, and, it's, and, it, and it stops trouble and it's, you know, normally as a parent, you're right. So it's the good thing. But more than all of that, when your children obey you with a happy heart, you know they trust you. You know they trust you. You know they think well of you. You know they think highly of you. And you know what? When we trust God, when there's this, when there's this trust in our hearts, we obey him. And when we don't obey God, there's reasons lurking behind it. It's not just kind of like, oh, I just didn't obey him. No, there's reasons lurking behind it. Like, well, is he good? Is he good? And when we don't trust he's good, we don't, we don't obey him. Because we think if I do it his way, it's not going to be as good as my way. You see, there's mistrust lurking behind disobedience. There's this sense of, well, maybe he's not got the power to really, to really do the things he's promised he's going to do in my life. Maybe he's not powerful enough. And so that's lurking behind it, it when we do it our own way. You see, behind our disobedience, there are dark things lurking where we actually don't rate God. We actually don't think that highly of him. But when we, think, when we actually in our heart of hearts know he's good and he's powerful, which means he's good, so he's got our best interests at heart, and he's powerful. You know what? So he can take care of our lives and make a much better job than if we're in the driving seat. Then we obey him. Why? Because we trust him. I want you to understand this is really important. Because you listen to Jesus talking. Listen to his words. Let, let the sharpness of it get into your heart. Now, notice something. This is, this is going to be a bit of a moment now. The disciples that followed Jesus got it, and they left everything and they went for it. They went for it in terms of radical obedience. They literally left everything and followed this man around for a few years in very uncertain and testing circumstances and they stuck with him because they were committed to him and they loved him and they wanted to follow him. They were obedient. And just before we get into the cross, there's this interaction. Just before Jesus is crucified, there's an interaction between Jesus and one of the disciples, Peter. And Jesus basically says, you know what, Peter? Um, you're going you're to you're deny that you know me. 
And Jesus has already taught, you know, you don't want to deny that you know me. Don't, you don't want to be ashamed of me. So it's, it's an obedience issue. And he says to Peter, do you know what? You're going to deny that you know me. Peter says, do you know what? I will go to death with you. Why did he say that? Two reasons. Number one, he loves Jesus. He wants to obey Jesus. Number two, he's proud. He thinks he's got it. He thinks he's got what it takes. And what happens is as Jesus is arrested and it gets really scary and really intimidating, Peter falls apart. He crumbles. He falls apart and just like Jesus predicted, three times he denies that he knew him. And so what we see in this instance is we see what it, what it is to be a disciple. It's someone who's saying, I'm all in. This is like it. This is everything. I am, I am leaving everything to follow you, Jesus. And yet what we also say in it is this kind of helpless and embarrassingly bad attempt at being all that we want to be. You see this crumbling. I mean, you see this crumbling. And Peter, and Peter just after he's denied Jesus for the third time, he looks up and Jesus turns and looks at him. And there's this moment where it says, Peter just turns, turns away and he walks out of the courtyard and he weeps bitterly because he's faced with his weakness. He's faced with this awful scenario that he's given himself to this man. He's given himself to this Jesus. He's all in. He's left everything to follow him. He's all in. He really is. This is true discipleship. It's obedience. But when it's come to the crunch, he's not got enough in him. There's not enough in him. He thought there was, but there wasn't. And at the same time, you've got this parallel track of Jesus going all the way. And suddenly you realize he's got enough in him. Jesus has got enough in him. You see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before God before his father and he's starting to taste he's starting to taste what he's about to taste fully Bible calls it the cup it represents the wrath of God he's about to taste the full wrath of God for your and my sins the sins of the whole world he's about to absorb in his body the fierce fury of God at the sins of the world. This is an extraordinary moment. And he, he starts to taste it. He starts to go into him. And, he, and, he, and the Bible says that he's so stressed out that he's sweating blood. He's sweating drops of blood, which can happen when you are under hypertension. This can happen. He's sweating drops of blood. And there's this moment where we see what's in him. And Jesus, he says, he says, you know what, Lord? If there's another way, Father, please, if there is another way that we can save humanity, please. And then he says, but not my will, yours be done. And, and you see this extraordinary obedience. You see, when it says, I've come to do your will, O oh God, it's easy to say it in the good times, but this is the darkest moment. And he says it, and he comes right through. And then, and then what you see, he's, he's really stressed out. He even says to his disciples, my soul is distressed to the point of death. Stay with me. And you know what? They try and stay with him, and they fall asleep. And, and what you realize, as you're seeing this situation unfold, you suddenly realize there's only, there's only really one man in the story. There's only really one man in the story, and it's Jesus. And he goes, he, goes to the, he goes to interrogation, and he stands there with such composure as they're accusing him, and as they're hurling insults at him. There's such composure. He decides when he will speak and when he won't. There's never any fear, never any intimidation, because he's settled it with God. This is the obedience of Jesus, and this is his obedience that he's doing for you. This is the love of God, all right? This is the, this, the love of God. Is it well, God just loves and forgives everyone? God just forgives. You know what? I want to say something. You might find it unsettling. No, he doesn't. God doesn't just forgive. It's just not true. Because if God just forgives, then why would he have to give his only son over 
to pay the price for our sins. Do you think he would, do you think he would go through with that if he could just forgive? Forgiveness is, a, forgiveness is the hardest thing on the planet. Forgive him from the heart. Forgiving someone who's wronged you in such a way that you can then receive them into your heart is the hardest thing on the planet. And you see here the, the, the furious love of God as he, he gives his one and only son and you see the furious love of Christ as he gives himself all the way for us and, and he's on the tree and everyone, you know, the disciples have run a mile and it's a mess. He's a mess. And he's hanging there and he's saying things like, as they're hurling abuse, he's saying things like, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. You think, how can you, why, how can you say that when you, are in the, when you are in the middle of that? How can you say and then, and then he notices his mum and he says to John, his disciple, he says, can you take her in? And can you, Mark, can you adopt him like your son? And, and you say, how can you be thinking about them when you are there? Why is this? This is the obedience of Jesus. This is who he is. This is who he is. Don't tell, don't tell me he's not worthy of your life. Don't tell me he's not worthy of your life. This is who he is. Who else is like this? Who else has done this for you? Who else would even come close to this? He didn't even have to. This is willing obedience. This is, this, is, this is Jesus saying, the Father's will is the best. I trust him. And he goes all the way. He just goes all the way. And, th- and then, you know, when, when he's raised from the dead, now the, it's important you understand the resurrection. Jesus being raised from the dead was God's way of saying, he is all he, he, is all he said he is. He is all he said he is. It's God's vindicating. God's saying, yeah, this is, yep, this is my son. Death, death is trying to hold on to him. There's nothing to hold on to. No, de- the, in order for death to keep hold of someone, there's got to be some sin in them so death can keep its claws in them. There's no sin in him. He became sin on the cross, but it wasn't his own. It's yours and it's mine. He's dead. That's all been dealt with. Death can't keep holding him. There's no sin in him. He defeats death. He rises from the dead. And what does he do? Well, I'll tell you what he does. He gets around the disciples. Why? Because they're broken men. And he cares about them and broken women. And he cares about them. And he gets around them and he begins serving them and he begins ministering. And he makes breakfast for some of them on the beach. This is Jesus. This is the king of glory. This is the king of the universe. This is the king of the cosmos. This is the beginning and the end. He makes breakfast and, and he knows Peter needs some special attention because Peter's blown it big time. He knows he needs special attention, but he makes breakfast first because in that culture, you eat with them, you're accepting these same people. I still accept you. And he says, let's go for a walk, Peter. And he asks him three times. Why three times? Because he denied him three times. Three times, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's, the third time, we're told Peter's distressed. Because it's the third time. And he knows what Jesus is doing. Jesus is taking him back there. You know, they've been round a fire. Do you know when the last time was they were round a fire? When Peter denied him. You know, you know what sense of your five senses most brings back memories? Smell. So Peter gets out of the boat, gets around the campfire, all comes back. Oh, the nausea. Jesus says, let's go for a walk. We're going to go back there. Peter's like, ah. And Jesus wants to know one thing. Do you love me? First time, yes, Lord. Second time, yes, Lord. Third time. I thought I did. He's faced with his brokenness. He's faced with the fact that he hasn't got it in himself. Jesus restores him. Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. You know that, all that stuff I said over you, I've spoken over you? It's, it's not over. You haven't blown it. Feed my sheep. 
Six weeks later, he preaches the gospel. And 3,000 people get saved. This is the love of God. This is the love of Jesus. This is what he's like. This is what he's like. Now, we're going to start bringing it to a conclusion now. Bring it to a conclusion. Now, here's the thing. Just before Jesus goes back to heaven, he gathers the disciples. He says, I've got something for you to do. Real simple job. Right? Here's, this is the, beauty, the simplicity of Jesus. He says, all you've got to do is this. You've got to go to the whole world, and you'll get there eventually. Right? And you've got to do this. You've got to make disciples of them. And basically involves two things. Baptize them and teach them how to obey me. Oh. Hold on a minute. Baptize them and teach them how to obey me. That's a disciple. Someone who's been baptized. That's a Christian. Someone who's been baptized. And then, and then, they're, and then they're learning how to obey Jesus. That's a disciple. So that's, that's called the Great Commission. We call it that. So Jesus says, that's what you're going to do. And I'm with you the whole time. Now, track me here. Because in the next book, the book of Acts, when we see these disciples trying to do that, you see something very important happening. You see a lot of baptisms. But here's what you see as well. You see either just before the baptism or just after the baptism, those who are being baptized or about to be or have just been baptized, they are clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on them in power. Now hold on a minute. Remember the Great Commission. Be baptized and obey me. They're baptized and they're clothed with the Holy Spirit. The point is this. The point is this. Jesus calls you to radical obedience, radical wholehearted obedience if you're a Christian. Everything. There's a story of a guy who, he was thinking about becoming a Christian and he was speaking to someone who was already a Christian and he said to him, he said, look, if I become a Christian, have I got to stop wearing jeans? It's a true story. So what he said. Maybe the Christians he was hanging out with didn't own it, I don't know. But he said, if I become a Christian, have I got to stop wearing jeans? Do you know what that Christian said to him? That Christian said to him, maybe. It's actually a very wise answer. Why? Well, is it okay to be a Christian and wear jeans? Yes. It's not about the jeans. It's not about the jeans. It's about what matters more in your heart than Jesus. Whether it's jeans or a certain kind of movie or a certain kind of habit or a certain kind of lifestyle, or a certain kind of attitude. And so you see, if there's anything where you go, well, I would come to Jesus, but there's this thing, then let's talk about this thing, even if it's jeans, even if it's socks, let's talk about this thing. You see, why? Because there's something going on in the heart. There's something going on in the heart. And that's the thing I've realized over the years. God wants my heart. God wants your heart. The Bible says, out of the heart flow the springs of life. Everything comes out of the heart. And when you know when Jesus gets hold of your life, he gives you a brand new heart and you want and you you want you want the Jesus stuff, but you know you're still battling with the fact there's desires in you that want the other stuff, and there's something about saying, Jesus, I am going for you. And there's something so liberating in that moment. It's not cold, hard, rigid obedience. It's that moment where by the grace of God you say, I trust you. I trust you with my past. I trust you with my present. I trust you with my future. No holds barred. It's so radical. It's so mental. It's so hardcore. It's so Jesus. It's so Jesus. And I want to say this to you. Look you in the eye. Nothing else will do. 
And I'm not even being extreme for the sake of it. Nothing else will do. That's being a Christian. It's not like you've got, you got those, you've got the super Christians, and then you've got you know, the rest of us. We, we, we bounce around in tents and read our Bible sometimes. No. No. Jesus said, anyone, anyone who wants to follow me, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And you know what I'm going to do? We're going to, in about, probably about five minutes, I'm going to make a call for some of you that have never, never, never given Jesus all. You've never actually given him all. It's an attitude of heart. It's an attitude of heart. When I became a Christian, it was very undramatic, you know, no one would have known it. I just said to Jesus, I'm all yours. I meant it. So I'm all yours. And you just, you, just, you just kind of put everything in his hands. It's an extraordinary thing. It's a very powerful thing. And you know what? There's, 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 something, there's something where you just say, Jesus, I'm all in. But it's, not, it's kind of like Peter was, but you kind of know. But Jesus, you know what? I'm recognizing. <laughs> I recognize that. I haven't got it in me. I've not got the power in me to... To follow through by my own power, I'm going to blow it big time. So you know what, Jesus? I'm all in, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you say that to Jesus, do you know what he will do? He will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there's no way Jesus is going to call you something as radical as that, something as all or nothing, something as wholehearted as that, and not give you the power to live it out. There's no way he's going to do that. He's too good to do that. He's not going to dangle something in front of you that you can't attain to and then just so you can flop and fail. He's good. He's so good. You must know that by now. You, I've told you about how good he is. I've painted a picture of his love for you. You know he's too good to do that. So he's, going to, he's, going to, he's calling you to radical, radical obedience. But do you know what? Do you know what? As you do that, he's going to empower you. And it might be really dramatic. You might have like a power. You might feel like someone's plugged you into the mains. It might not be like that at all. For me, it wasn't like that at all. I just found, you know what? I used to be gripped by what people thought of me. I'm not anymore. I've got a power now to just stand before people and say, I love Jesus. I couldn't do that before. I don't know how that happened. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. It's boldness. You're suddenly free. I used to be gripped, absolutely gripped by what people thought of me, how I looked in front of others. It was the dominating storyline of my life. Am I popular? Do people think I'm funny? Do they think I'm cool? Do they think I'm good looking? That was the, the, the storyline of my life. Jesus liberated me from it when I just I gave myself to him. He empowered me. And it's not like I never battle with that anymore, but there's something so much more big and powerful that's come in. So when you guys come forward in a minute, you, you first timers, you know it's your time. <laughs> You're hearing Jesus. You say, oh, wait, you. Yeah? Just obey, all right? Don't, don't, don't make a mess of it. Just obey, all right? Just get on with it, all right? So, not for my sake, for your sake. I mean, hold on a minute. Hold on. Listen, Jesus, Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could do what he did, right? He's given us a wonderful example. So he's going to fill you with the power. So don't say, well, I'm not going to go forward because I haven't got the power. He's going to give you the power, but he wants to know he's got your heart. Right? You give him your heart, he give you the power. Deal? All right. So you just get ready now. 
Now, I'm just going to speak for a minute to you believers, you, you, you disciples, you know who you are, you've, you've crossed that line, you've said, yep, yeah, I'm in, you've given him your heart, you're on the journey, you're on the road, you're, you're, you're doing what all the rest of us disciples are doing, you're kind of figuring it out, you're stumbling, but you're getting back up again, you're stumbling, but most of the time you're stumbling forward rather than backward, you know, but you're on the road, you're working this out, you're, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, as the Bible puts it. We're going to pray for you to have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit tonight. We're going to pray for you to have a fresh sense of the nearness and power. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit, the word means breath. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. You know, if, if, you, if you feel my breath on you, you know I'm near. When the Holy Spirit comes, you know God's near. You know God is manifesting his presence. God is making his presence known to you. He's going to breathe on you. He's going to breathe fresh life into you. Fresh vigor, fresh faith. For the adventure, fresh zeal, fresh resolve, fresh power. You know the Bible talks about power. You know the Holy Spirit does so many things. I've got a list. He does all these things. When the Holy Spirit comes, right, now just, just to say, the Holy Spirit is God, right? So he does what he likes, but he's good, so that's cool. But he does what he, so I'm not going to dictate how the Holy Spirit's going to move. He's Lord. Jesus said the Spirit blows wherever he wishes. So we're just going to open it up for the Spirit to just do whatever he wants. He's sovereign. We honor him. But here's the kind of things he does. He drives out darkness. Do you know, you, you know there's, there's some real dark spots? In there, in there, Holy Spirit drives it out. Holy, <laughs> Holy Spirit drives it out. I tell you, I'm a living testimony. I had more dark than light. I was so messed up. He drives it out. Let him, just let him. Right, just let him. Don't be scared, just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. You know, such a good parent. You know, good parents, they, they love all their kids the same, but they don't treat them all the same. You know that? Good parents love all their kids the same, but they don't treat them the same. Why? Because they know their kids. And they know that this one here needs a bit of extra this at the moment. This one here needs a bit of extra comfort because they're a bit sensitive, more sensitive than the others. This one here needs a bit of a, a, bit of a because they're a bit stubborn. It's just parenting. It's love. But parents know their children. Father knows you. Disciples, you're his children. He knows you, he knows what you need. He might want to drive out some darkness. He might want to, he might want to, he might want to teach you how to pray. I tell you, sometimes the Spirit of God comes on you and you suddenly think, I'm praying like I never prayed before. It's the energy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Wonderful. Makes you shares his heart, shares God's heart with you for things. And you say, ah, oh, teach you how to pray. Holy Spirit gives gifts. Suddenly you might just suddenly you're overflowing with prophecy. You're just prophesying over everyone in sight. God's giving you messages for this person, that person. You can't stop prophecy. Or maybe you start praying in another language you never you never even learned before. But you're just praying out in this language. You don't even understand it yourself. You're praying with your spirit, not your mind. You've got the gift of languages, otherwise known as the gift of tongues, which in my opinion is a rather strange phrase. Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. He will lead you into the truth. He'll show you what's what. He'll give you discernment. He'll give you anointing. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to sniff out the truth from the lies. Holy Spirit does that. Holy Spirit will reveal the true Jesus to you. Jesus says, many are going to come in my name saying I am he. Many are going to come in my name and this, that and the other in the name of Jesus. I tell you, the Holy Spirit, will tell, he will reveal Jesus to you. You know who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit will empower you. I've got eight seconds left. Holy Spirit will empower you. There's a clock there. I'm for real. There's a Holy... The Holy Spirit will empower you to talk about Jesus. It'll empower you to just really shine your light, not hide it anymore. It's what he does. It's what he does. Holy Spirit will give you dreams and visions. Put things in your heart. 
You'll be seeing stuff in the spirit. You're like, wow, God will be start giving you information about the future. Your future, things he's got in, in his heart for you. Making his plans known. Giving you dreams. Holy Spirit will bring the Bible alive to you. You'll get this hunger. You'll become one of those, you know, you'll be underlining crayons and notes. Holy Spirit brings the thing alive. Suddenly it makes sense. Suddenly it's not, I better read my chapter for the day. Done my chapter. I love this Christian life. It's so exciting. I read my chapter. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy. May God rescue us from such, from such lifestyles. So, well, we've got minus a minute. So, all right. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Some of you, you know who you are. I don't. It's time. Okay, simple as that. It's time. The Bible says you call on his name. He'll rescue you. He'll save you. So it's time to do that. He's just calling you, right? And when Jesus calls, well, what can you do but, what can you do but respond? So uh, I'm going to pray, and if you want Jesus to rescue you, you know you've never really become a disciple. And for some of you, your youth group think you are. Your youth group think you are a disciple, so you're thinking, oh, mate. That's your step of obedience today, to come clean. You're just saying Jesus, right? So I'm going to just be still for a moment. I'm going to pray. And then if you know, you, you need to call on the name of the Lord. And this is for the first time. You're calling, you're calling out to Jesus to save you for the first time. Where you are, you just you call out loud the name Jesus. You think, oh, Steph, you meanie. Why would you do that to me? I'm giving you the best possible start to the Christian life. No more hiding. You don't want it. He doesn't want it. Go in public. Go in public from day one. So Lord, we just thank you for your presence here. Thank you that, you know, you're just real with us and we can be who we are with you because the, the way's been made open by the amazing Jesus. So thank you, Father, for the incredible Lord Jesus. He's blasted the, blasted the whole thing wide open. Blasted the whole thing wide open. We're amazed. And so uh, I just want to pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you're going to help some people now that know you're calling them. Know you're calling them to be disciples. Know it's time. They hear in their heart, you're calling them. I want to pray, oh Lord, you give them the boldness to call out the name of Jesus. And every power and force in this tent and around this place that's going to attempt to try and stop that. In the name of Jesus, I give you absolutely no permission to do so. From this moment on. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, just call out his name where you are. Right. Now, those of you that called out the name of Jesus, we want to serve you well. See, when you come to know Jesus, you become part of the family. We want to serve you well. Okay? So, what we want to do is we want, we, want, we want you and one of your youth leaders and maybe someone from a red cap to just have some time praying together and sealing this thing so that you can say, Jesus, number one, I've been an absolute donut. 
I need your forgiveness. I'm a rotten, rotten sinner. And I need you to clean me and help me turn this mess of a life around and make it into something beautiful. And you're going to pray and you say, Jesus, thank you for the cross. You paid the debt. And you say, Jesus, I'm going to get baptized as soon as I flip in can. That's what you're going to say. Not like that. Put that in your own words. But you're going to say, repent, believe, baptize. Right? We want to serve you in that way. We want to help you in that way. So if you call out the name of Jesus, you stand up with a youth leader next to you, where you are. And we're going to clap you now because we're rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, when we first started New Day, when we first started New Day, someone had a prophecy, and they prophesied this, that this event would have a national significance. This event would have an impact on the nation. Now, all I'm saying is this. The only way that's ever going to happen, the only way that's ever going to happen is if we know the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the only way it's going to happen. We need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to go on reaching out to God. And some of you, you're so hungry after that sermon. You're just hungry. You, just, you know what? When you're hungry for God, you know, it's just a beautiful place to be. Start reaching out to Him. Just start reaching out to Him. Just start reaching out to the Lord. Just the, what, what the Spirit's been stirring in your heart through this sermon. You know, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I'm a disciple. I've, I'm all in. But you know, I need more. I, need, I know that I want, I want fresh power. I know that there's bits of darkness that I want the Lord to drive out. I know that you know, I want him to open the eyes of my heart to see Jesus more clearly. You know, you know the things I've said, and there's more things in the Bible than that. I want you to start reaching out. We just reach out to him where you are in your heart. However you do that, you might want to reach out your hands. You don't have to, but however you can express to the Lord, Lord, I want, I want, I want to know the Spirit. I want, I want to know you freshly. I, I want you to just... Give me a fresh touch. Now listen, don't box him in. Don't box him in to do it a certain way and don't look for an experience, okay? Look to him. Don't look for an experience. No, 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 this is not a theme park. Look to him. Look to him. It's a relationship. It's your father. He loves you. Some of you need to get baptized. For some crazy old reason, you haven't got baptized yet. (laughs) It's what you do at the beginning and you're not at the beginning. It's what you do at the beginning. So you need to get in that water ASAP. Okay? No more excuses. No more complicating something that's very, very simple. If you're all out for Jesus, you get baptized. If there's difficulties with your parents, then we have to navigate that one. So we honor your parents too because both are commands of God. But if it's not about that, we just got to get you in that water. Right. I'm going to pray. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants. So you don't look to me. That would be the worst thing in the world. I am not the dispenser of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. So you look to the Lord, please. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look to Him. I'm just going to pray. Lord, you are so good. You're, you're just so good. You're so good, Lord. And uh, Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. 
We love you so much. We love you. We love you so much, Holy Spirit. We think of what you've done, the way you've made our hearts new, the way you've shown us Jesus, the way you've saved us in the first place. We think of all the things you've done, the things you've taught us in the Bible. We love you, Holy Spirit. We, we just want more and more of you, Lord. We want to be drenched in you. We don't want to be, we don't want to be all dry. We want to be, we want to be drenched in your presence, Lord. Oh, where you are all around this tent, express with your mouth your desire for the Holy Spirit. Tell him, pray, cry out, call out, whisper. Just tell the Lord, tell the Lord, tell the Lord, tell the Lord. He's here and he can deal with each one of us individually at the same time. Tell the Lord. He's a good parent. He knows what you need.